this speaks to a wider pattern that we see or people have this history of invalidating voices that come from the south and especially women and girls and that's something that i talk about this project in public i always circle back to that because this isn't particularly just a woman and girls problem people invalidate female voices all the time but especially the south people talk on behalf of the south they make assumptions about the south and they're okay doing that because of the south's history Shauna Stewart, whose voice you just heard, began working on the Southern Girls Project in June 2016. The project, with most content coming from NOLA.com and AL.com, is a partnership of journalists, organizations, and creative talent across the South listening to girls tell us what it's like to be a Southern girl in 2016, according to the Facebook group's description. When Stewart began as a fellow for the project in June 2016, she said, This is truly a build-as-you-go project, and it's nerve-wracking. I'm not going to lie. Here's my conversation with Shauna Stewart about the project and building an online community. But there are voices here that need to be heard. So we're not giving anybody a voice of this project. We're amplifying it. We're talking about these experiences that LGBT people have. That's our goal. You know, growing up non-Christian in the South, another goal of ours. And we published an op-ed an op-ed but a profile recently you know being black in the south now that trump's being elected especially in alabama <laughs> the south is the bible belt we have the bible belt this is the red strip you know then you have little blue cities but what does it mean to be a feminist right now in the south in alabama what does it mean to live in a trump state where jeff sessions could possibly confirm sometime tomorrow you know a lot of people are voting for Trump. How hard is it in Alabama? You know? So these are voices that need to be heard, and especially after the election, this is something that we really want to double down and focus on. When you're amplifying a voice, what does that look like? It's not just typical article, video, publication kind of thing. Like, we could spend time just talking to girls about the election. For example, right after the election... We ran an article with girls in Huntsville, Alabama, talked about, you know, their responses to the election. And so we ran an article, but we also took the Instagram and posted some of those comments. Another girl thought wanted to be featured. So there are things like that. Um, NOLA.com had an entire event about the future of Southern girls and using female leaders in New Orleans. And they had a great seminar and had these women talk to girls, these girls talk to women. So it's very fluid in how it works. We actually also worked with the Houston Chronicle Classroom. A couple of those young female journalists went out to the march in Houston. They went to a hidden figure screening, and they also went to, um, they did some reporting on Inauguration Day, the interviews. We took over Instagram for a day and shot video for us, and we posted it. So we're working with girls to tell their stories of amplified voices. And we have also have journalism that we want to promote around this. Mm-hmm. There are many different ways. So we serve different audiences in this vertical, but our focus is girls from ages 3 to 17. But we do serve different audiences. I mean, she has to know how to swing that content. The girls may not go on to AL.com to read an entire article all the time, but they will scroll through Instagram. So it's how do you package that content in different forms so that it's consumable to different audiences with our focus being, you know, girls through your 17. Okay, that's kind of cool. So, I mean, so you're saying 
despite all this you just told me that this is not your only project or not just not the only thing you do when you go to work each day? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it's not the only thing I do when I go to work. So I'm not working on it full-time. When I say full-time, like, this is... My full-time job is doing special projects for AL.com. This is one of them. Oh, okay. Cool. So I was brought on as a fellow, and then they wanted to bring me on more full-time on the social team. So this is another project that I'm working on. Um, we also launched recently a Black History Project that I'm doing social on. So that's just kind of a... As more products on the pipeline, then, you know, I'm doing those as well as Southern Girls Project. How do you think um, having a diverse newsroom helps? But, you know, like, if you're trying to do, like, a like a Southern Girls Project, like, you know, amplifying that voice to being able to not only create that, but successfully not, like, smother a teen girl's voice or, you know, transform it into an adult's voice. I think, you know, we have a heavily female newsroom here, and we have some very vocal female writers. So that just happened to be a thing that that was helpful. Um, we have a journalist out in Huntsville who does, you know, amazing stuff with writing about daycares and gender and female reproductive issues here in Alabama. So being able to have reporters that are ready to do that kind of work is helpful. Our, Social team is also heavily female. So, you know, we got that, we got that audience. We got that buy-in in terms of the female perspective. Now, in terms of the diverse perspective, that's a little different. Um, I think there are times when we have journalists on our staff that are willing to listen a little more. Experiences that aren't white female experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to say that it's been an easy road. And this isn't exclusive to AL.com. You know, some people think, why is this news? Well, it's not for you. And it's unfortunate that we have to do that route where you have to convince someone that something that isn't white is an alternative. It's, it's, it's still news and it still matters because you don't care about it, right? Yeah. Um, but the luck here is that I do have a heavily female team that I wouldn't say the word is invested, but that is good at listening to certain things and would, would have buy-in with a female project because, you know, they were seven girls. Can we have that kind of leverage on our side when it comes to a shared experience? A shared experience of, being a, of growing up seven and being a woman. Let's put it that way. So, what has been your favorite project to work on? Um, so, let's see. I am... Super excited. We're for Black History Month we're doing a series where a young girl from Birmingham is taking us around Birmingham and um, Alabama, a little bit outside of Birmingham, to kind of talk about how she and her family celebrate Black History Month. Which is great because, you know, we, we hear so much we hear a lot about the same the same people doing Black History Month sometimes. Newspapers will profile two of the parts or stuff. You know, you know, yeah. but her but having her show us the Birmingham and it is great. So this is one of my favorite things that I've done so far. I really enjoy working with girls on the takeovers. We had girls take over our Instagram for a week. And, you know, we will submit pictures and we'll kind of, you know they have creative freedom, we edit for grammar and etc. But I think these girls have really enjoyed it and it's fun and I the best I, I really like working with the girls in that capacity. You know? Um 
being able to talk about talk to them. Of course, I'm almost 30. It didn't need to feel super old, but that's okay. <laughs> um, just being able to work directly with girls in that capacity is always some of my favorite stuff. What is it like whenever you're able to do to do something to where you show like an everyday perspective? Like, what does that feel like? <laughs> I think it really makes me more mindful. And as an adult, that there are these amazing, I mean, I, I was with amazing kids out there doing amazing things. But it keeps you very grounded. I think so many adults are willing to write off kids that, because they don't know any, they think they don't know anything. And these girls get into a lot more than adults, like older adults, think they do. So it keeps me very mindful and it keeps me very grounded. But I recently did a story and I had to interview like a girl, she was 18, but she's been blogging since she was like 12. And she's been getting book reviews and doing book reviews, all this stuff. And I'm just like, and then they're, they're so smart. And I'm like, all you teenagers, y'all are like, Y'all are badass. Like, I just can't even. They're badasses <laughs> right there. I'm one of our girls, Tierra, who took over our account for the yeah. week. Um, she, I don't know if you saw, she's running a business and made all A's. Like, I'm like, what am I doing with my life, you know? <laughs> so I think that people are so willing to write off girls and teenagers. And I don't know when this that starts. I don't know whether you turn 40 and turn to this ogre who thinks that kids can't do anything, but that's not true. So being able to constantly work with girls in real life, these girls are very smart and they're interesting and they're funny and they're talented. It's a reminder that the next generation of news consumers isn't as dumb as people like to say they are. People complain about millennials, they complain about the next generation. These people are extremely smart. And I think if you don't get behind that, you're going gonna to get lost. And this is even talking as a content producer who and a journalist, but need you pay attention to the these girls in this audience. It doesn't have to be your day to day job, but keep an ear to the streets and realize this gen next generation is changing how we do news and we need, need to think about it. So being able to work with them in this capacity keeps that in the back of my mind. Uh, just my assumption would be that there's no, like, you know, set in stone, like, this is only this region, but is it trying to grow into, like, the full South? Yes, absolutely. That's the point of this project. Um, uh, this project works work, work the best with buy-in from other news orgs, so we'd love to invite other news orgs to join us. Um, we work with Chronicle Classroom, so our main goal is to approach Houston Chronicle and say, look, we work with Chronicle Classroom. Um, would you like to be involved in some way, shape, or form and, like, have partners in every news org that would want to contribute to this kind of coverage? Because, you know, we, I'm in Alabama, in New Orleans. I, can't, I don't know what's going on in Arkansas. Yeah. You know, I'm not here. I don't have to on the ground there. But if I had a news org in Arkansas who'd want to get involved with the girls' project and kind of implement it in their newsroom, I think that would be great. What has been the toughest um, project, you know, story to work on? Not the story so far. You mean content-wise or buying-wise? Hmm. Both. <laughs> content-wise, I, I don't, when you say toughest, I do don't know. I think the toughest, I think the toughest thing is not having a swinging pendulum. So, you're trying to elevate voices that aren't really heard necessarily, that are usually drowned out by other people. For example, trying to elevate Muslim girls' voices. And we really do want to put out a sincere effort to get into American voices.
but also not moving it so far that he started invalidating other women, which sounds ridiculous because you know that's what diversity is. Mm-hmm. But we didn't want to have this well-rounded project. So that's a challenge where we have all these voices that have been, I'm not going to say forgotten, so not the word, but mm-hmm. who haven't been heard. That, you know, there is really room enough room for everybody. Yeah. So we have to do that. We're not overcompensating sometimes. We're like, okay, if I think you want everything black, it's like, if I think you want, and also, you know, Pride Month and everything. But we do want to showcase the different voices, but we don't want to go so far out there that we forget what our core mission is, which is to have this very well-balanced project of, of girls. Is there any publications or whether it's like social writing, video, print, anything out doing stuff that you admire or you're like, oh wow, that's super cool. Here's what I'm gonna say, because I think for this conversation, I'd be more I think it'd be more helpful to talk about something that's kind of doing something similar that I really admire. Mm-hmm. And because obviously AJ Plus is like doing game busters. But in terms of the work that I'm doing now, I really admire called Clover Letter and I, and they are just it's a, it's a platform created for teenage girls, for girls, and they're just a girl. And they are, they're, it's early stages, but they're really doing it. Um, I'd love to work with them in some capacity. Um, I, like, I really just found out about it, but they're, they're really trying to make this space for girls without looking condescending, and they're doing a pretty good job. And I really admire that. I'm going through Instagram, they're talking about feminism. You know, they're talking about feminism, they're talking about creativity, and they're doing it in a really cool way that doesn't look like they're pandering. Cool. I'm going to look them up. I know we talked about this the first time we spoke, but could you tell me again, like, why it's important to tell the stories of Southern teenage girls? If people think of Southern teenage girls, unfortunately, outside of the region, they think about big hair southern girls or you know pageant girls or debutantes and that's not the only voice that's out there as well 